Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Locked On Bucks. Friday edition, a solo edition of Locked on Bucks. It's me, Frank Madden. Not joined by Eric Name today. Eric is working late, so uh, I'm just going to run solo. I'm going to hopefully go over some fun things going on right now because let's be honest, the Bucks have won 13 of 17, question mark. Yes, they have their latest, the uh, exciting 103-100 win in Boston on Wednesday night, the second night of a back-to-back. Bucks go 2-0 on a road trip and now head home for a two-game homestand against the Detroit Pistons on Friday. The not-so-fired-up, not-so-hot Detroit Pistons coming off a one-point win over the Nets. But hey, they lost the Nets in Brooklyn uh, a week ago or so, so I guess it's an improvement. And the Dallas Mavericks, <clears throat> Dirk Nowitzki with um, a... You know, a, a revitalized a bit uh, Dallas Mavericks team, uh, a Mavs team that I think early in the season we looked at and said, mm, maybe better off if that team tanks and tries to reload with, with a high pick. But instead, uh, you know, Dirk was hurt a bit. Now he's back. He got his 30,000th point. Everybody loves Dirk, right? And they are still five games out of the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I don't see them making the playoffs. Uh, they've lost three in a row, but they've shown some signs. Nerlens Noel looks like a pretty solid pickup for them at the trade deadline, especially for what they gave up. And um, look, n- nothing to be taken for granted for, especially if you saw the way the Bucks lost to the Mavericks when they were winless early in the season. But let me go to a couple of observations, a couple headlines before we talk maybe a little bit about more about the weekend. Um, here's a fun one. Uh, just sort of revisiting the conversation we had about Giannis and his MVP candidacy, Tom Haberstroh from ESPN.com uh, did a fun little exercise. He called it the analytics kitchen sink approach to the MVP. He basically put together a table looking at uh, four different advanced metrics, sort of catch-all uh, advanced metrics that, that try to estimate player value and uh, that was RPM win. So real plus minus from ESPN basically taking a player's estimated impact on offense and defense uh, in terms of point differential and then scaling it by basically the number of minutes they play. Uh, win shares from basketball reference, value over replacement player. I think you can, that's one you can also get from basketball reference. And then estimated wins added, which is a uh, PER-based metric. So kind of all doing like slightly different things, but all uh, are ways to try to estimate a player's impact in terms of wins. And uh, what... Tom did was he basically took everybody and ranked every player by each of those categories and then kind of a weighted average of rankings, if that makes sense. So Russell Westbrook is number one on the list. He finished first in RPM wins, first in value over replacement, and also first in estimated wins added by PER. Um, James Harden was second 
He finished first in win shares. He's second in warp and uh, estimated wins added. Seventh in RPM wins, interestingly. Um, and guess who finished third, ladies and gentlemen? Guess who finished third in the analytics kitchen sink, the consensus ranking? I rattled off a bunch of these, I think, when we did our, our MVP discussion just to sort of uh, underscore how well Giannis scores out by all of these advanced metrics. I mean, he's clearly a top 10, in some cases, a top five guy by by all of these. And the interesting thing is when you kind of aggregate all these different players and, you know, obviously some of these guys look awesome by some metrics and slightly less awesome by other metrics. Giannis, eighth in RPM wins, fifth in win shares, third in VORP, third in estimated wins added. And that's good enough for third overall in, in the total kind of uh, rankings here. So, um, you know, again, it, it's not a be-all, end-all. This is not what MVP voters will be using to determine who uh, there is on their MVP ballot. But pretty awesome that Giannis Adetokounmpo at 22 years old is third, ahead of, yes, LeBron James, ahead of Kawhi Leonard, ahead of Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis. That's the rest of the top 10. And, um, I mean, geez, Bucks fans, pinch yourselves, right? Knock on wood. Uh, say prayers for Giannis's long-term health. Um Pretty pretty awesome to see, uh, and also on kind of on that MVP talk, uh, I was on a uh, another podcast um, with Adam Fromall, who uh, started a great website called NBA Math. Uh, I think that URL is nba-math.com. You've probably seen me retweet uh, their some of their metrics. They basically have uh, these really cool kind of X Y axis. You may may have seen these if you follow me on Twitter. Um, these these charts that sort of so show players basically total points added uh, on both offense and defense. And so it's just a, a metric that gets at something very fundamental, kind of like, you know, a real plus minus. We'll try to tell you, you know, what the the impact is of a player offensively and defensively on, on you know, points scored and points against. This is sort of a similar idea and it gives you a kind of a great way to visualize um, where kind of players stack out. And Giannis is very far in the upper right-hand corner of of these charts, which means that he's a big plus offensively and defensively. And we were talking about about the MVP candidacy, and and uh, I tweeted out the the link for the podcast. Uh, feel free to check it out. It was it was a lot of fun. Adam's a huge Giannis fan, and um, we kind of geeked out over Giannis and, and Malcolm Brogdon and others. But um, but it was interesting that that Adam said Giannis is fifth in his rankings. Um, so. I think it's really easy for somebody who doesn't even watch basketball can watch a Bucks game and figure out that dude is really good. Uh, but it, it's also pretty awesome that, you know, nerds love Giannis too. Nerds probably love Giannis more than anyone else, and I consider myself a nerd, so I'm not I'm not slandering anybody here. But um, it, it's pretty cool when your team has a player who, again, 22 years old, passes the eye test with flying colors and also passes the advanced metrics uh, math smell test uh, with flying colors as well. So um, that was a fun conversation. Check out that. If uh, if you're not sick of hearing me five days a week on this podcast, uh, check that out. I was also on uh, 105.7 The Fan the other day. I think, uh, I don't think I've tweeted that one out, but um, I think, I don't, I don't think I've been proven flagrantly wrong on any of thing, anything I said. Uh, uh, from that conversation. So um, anyway, one thing I, I missed uh, in talking about the Celtics game, I don't think I, I talked enough about Thon Maker and probably because, you know, Thon, I mean, he didn't play big minutes, right? He played as usual, kind of first started the, the first half, 
Started the second half, 13 minutes, four points, two boards, two blocks, plus five in, in those 13 minutes. So again, nothing nothing to kind of you know scream and shout about. But it's interesting. I mean, he, his three-point shot has largely abandoned him. He hasn't even been shooting them as much lately. But it's kind of cool because he's actually doing kind of big man things, which, you know, realistically are the things that he has to do. I think the the line we've always said was if he can rebound a bit, block some shots, get putbacks, do a little bit of, you know, the garbage, garbage man, garbage, garbage man stuff around the rim. Um, Thon Maker will be a very, very good pro. And if he adds that three point shot, then then, geez, he's he's could be something else. And we saw the three point shot early and often. He was over 50 percent for quite some time. And that's kind of gone away. I think he's at 38% right now. But um, the fact that he's doing more kind of big guy things, uh, that should be taken as, as nothing but but uh, encouraging. And, uh, you know, again, if you, you kind of look at his per 36 numbers just to give you some sense of uh, what he would look like if he was playing bigger minutes. And, and I realize this stuff doesn't always scale, but um, 14.2 points, 7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.8 blocks, less than one turnover. Um, not shooting great, uh, 43.5%, um, 48% on twos, but, uh, you know, he, he's held his own. And, and again, it's not just his age, which I know, eh, whatever, but, uh, the experience factor, right? I mean, he, he literally was playing against high schoolers last year. And, and I mentioned the other day, seeing him against you know, Dwight Howard and the Hawks. I mean, throwing him out there and watching him battle Dwight Howard and, and not back down and, um, watching him against the Celtics, offensively he had one move where you know if you watch the game you probably remember him getting it at the foul line uh, i think the clock was running down he pulls a kind of rip through to his right puts the ball on the floor puts up a running little kind of driving hook shot off the glass and in um i mean that's not a shot that you want thon having to take very often but showing that level of you know okay he does have some skill he can do a little bit with it he's not just you know a garbage man he's not just picking and popping um seeing him do that stuff at, at the nba level is important because i think we were pretty critical or, or pretty skeptical that you know some of the mixtape stuff like him breaking people's ankles in high school that that uh, that's not necessarily going to translate to the nba and you know so far it hasn't but uh seeing him do those kind of i don't want to say simple things but seeing him do things that are just beyond the kind of low skill dunker type stuff is really encouraging especially given his lack of experience and uh there were a number of possessions against the Celtics as well where, you know, multiple effort plays. Uh, he had those those couple blocks, um, you know, had a few plays where he had multiple rotations, you know, helped out, got back in position, was calling out defenses. You know, all the cliches about him and, and the hard work and the you know, cerebral nature of his game, um, we're starting to see it kind of play itself out on the court more and more often and you know it's not a huge sample size but that starting five is is the Bucks most common lineup since the all-star break it's played 122 minutes and obviously Thon doesn't play much outside of that that group um but that group is plus seven in those 122 minutes and and you know I think especially with some of the struggles they had early Bucks had some games where they were down big Last two games, we've seen them race out to big early leads, and, and Thon has been a part of that, and that's, that's what I think, a really important thing. So, um, again, you kind of just look at this team, and you see Malcolm Brogdon suddenly making plays, making big plays, looking like a guy that, I, personally, I, I'm comfortable with Malcolm Brogdon being the starting point guard to start next season, right? I, and I think you have to be careful. You have to have kind of 
you know, set some reasonable expectations for what he's going to be moving forward. But honestly, he's good enough to start. He's good enough to start. And, and I think what he does on both ends, especially with the kinds of playmakers you have around him with, with Chris and Giannis, um, I don't think you put too much pressure on him. And, and I think he's the kind of guy who, if you did, you, he can absorb it pretty well. So, um, we will see. Hopefully, uh, the best is yet to come here for for Malcolm, and obviously encouraging to see him continue to play well as the season has worn on and and really fight off that rookie wall. Which you know, I don't know, maybe maybe the the age factor helps, but you know, it's not like he was playing eighty games at Virginia. So, um, so shout out to Malcolm and shout out to Thon for being rookies who are starting. The Bucks have two rookies starting right now. I don't even think we really appreciate that, and they're winning games. And obviously Brogdon is, is not hurting them one bit. He's been a big boost. Uh, but Thon, I think, as well, um, we're starting to see that, that, again, he's not a guy who's who's hurting them on the court. And that's why I think um, the de- it's not just development. It is development that's the main thing for getting him out on the court. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 I think a lot of us would like to see him, you know, maybe play in a second quarter, maybe get some minutes in a fourth quarter even. Um, where instead, you know, Jason Kidd's been trying to get his third center some minutes. It's been Spencer Hawes of late. It was John Henson for a little bit. And, you know, again, part of that's probably just a function of the roster and having all these damn big guys. It would be nice if the Bucks kind of alleviated some of that this summer. Uh, we will see what that means if that happens. Um, but I would hope the Bucks don't have four centers, all who deserve to play minutes next year because... We don't know Jason Kidd's going to play him. Um, and as I mentioned last night, and, and we kind of alluded to it before, that Kidd's interest in always kind of keeping guys engaged, always playing different combinations. Uh, you almost need less depth in order to get those kinds of like consistent rotations that people seem to like out of Jason Kidd. And with Michael Beasley hurt, with Jabari Parker hurt, uh, with John Henson hurt of late, Rashad Vaughn has been sort of relegated to the bench after couple of games where he actually played big fourth quarter minutes. Um, you know, we finally kind of seeing a team that is, is basically playing a consistent 10 man rotation. And, um, you know, uh, whether it's the, I'm not sure if, if, if it's again, as I mentioned yesterday, I'm not sure if it's the 10 man rotation is why they've suddenly kind of hit their stride or, or they've hit their stride. And that's why kid is sticking with the same group. But, um, obviously, uh, both things are, are happening right now. And, and that's a positive thing. And one part of that, I think is the, the idea of, uh, you know, the crunch time lineups. And, and we've talked a bit about the Bucks and, and well, we talked a lot at the beginning of the season about the Bucks' struggles in crunch time. They were by far the worst team in the league in crunch time. They were horrendous offensively, uh, which honestly, like, again, I, I've said this before, but, you know, the common phrase is like, well, they're young and, you know, they experience blah, blah, blah. Okay, look, they've been a top half of the team offensively uh, half top half of the league offensive team all season. There are lots of other young teams. There's no reason for them to be that bad offensively late in games. I mean, and, and I think probably a lot of it maybe just was some bad luck. I think a lot of it was probably, you know, kid probably playing Delhi way too much and sticking with this guy way too long. Delhi's been shooting in the low twenties, I think in crunch time. Um, but you know, you look at, you look at some of the numbers in uh, in crunch in clutch situations. So, I think it's plus or minus five points last five minutes of the game. Um, Malcolm Brogdon true shooting mark around fifty seven percent, fifty eight percent. Yeah, yeah, fifty eight percent true shooting from Malcolm Brogdon. That's exceptional, right? Um, 
you look at Della Vadova, 29%. And again, true shooting factors in free throws and, and three-pointers, so it kind of gives you a, a full view of a player's efficiency in terms of their, their shot uh, selection. And Greg Monroe also, 65%. So the fact that you've now got this closing lineup, which I think has been come, it's become pretty consistent with Brogdon, Snell, it basically is starting five with, with Greg Monroe, effectively is what it is. Um, you've got two guys who are now playing at a high level, and those aren't, aren't even your two best players, right? Chris Middleton and Giannis, who, who are both at 50% true shooting in the clutch, um, or 50, 50-51%, um, not great. But those two guys obviously are uh, are your, your primary guys. And um, probably not a coincidence that pretty much everybody on the team is a negative uh, in, crunch, in crunch time over the course of the season. In terms of net rating, Chris Middleton a plus seven, so that kind of underscores the the Bucks suddenly became respectable in in late game situations when Chris Middleton showed up. Um, they have won six in a row uh, in games decided by five points or fewer. I think Chris has something to do with that. Um, I think when you look at this, the the kind of closer lineup, um, they are I believe plus eleven in seventy four minutes. I want to say. Um, and that's plus 11 total points, okay? So not plus 11 net rating, just plus 11 total points. With, with samples that big, I think it's easier to just think about it in, in terms of total plus and minus, um, which is pretty solid, right? And and again, the Bucks have not been a huge plus minus team, actually. Again, all those close wins, they have not been blowing many teams out. Um, their point differential is, is still pretty modest for a team that has rung up as many wins as they have so again there is a fair bit of luck in there but um it's interesting to see i I think probably the 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 most interesting thing was i looked at the last 17 games which is really the cherry picking the best period of the bucks season of late and they're 13 and 4 in that span right i i scoffed at john mclaughlin when he suggested that the bucks could go 17 and 10 to finish the season that was basically the first game of the post all-star break period and he was talking about the bucks going 17 and 10 and i scoffed at john mclaughlin i scoffed at mr buck and the bucks have basically been better even better than that since then so uh, maybe i just need to scoff at john mclaughlin's optimism more often but um but it is interesting i mean in that 13 and 4 period they're 12th in offensive rating that's worse than they were before the all-star break they're 14th in defensive rating which is better, but again, they're kind of just barely above average. Um, and they're 29th in pace, uh, which again is kind of that, that slow down effect of, of a team that now is, you know, a Giannis, you know, we know Giannis wants to run, but Giannis really doesn't have anybody to run with him, which, you know, is probably fine because Giannis almost doesn't need anybody, but Chris and Greg are obviously more of these slow down, uh, methodical types. And, um, we're certainly seeing that kind of bear out in, in the Bucks offensive numbers and, and in their pace. Um, so it's interesting. Um, so I think to, to kind of summarize it, Brogdon deservedly playing closer minutes, playing very well in crunch time, helping the Bucks get better. Um, they're still not great in crunch time when you look at sort of the numbers, but they're winning all these games mainly because of their defense in crunch time situations. The defense obviously has been only slightly above average overall in this kind of good span, but, um, but they're, they are obviously kind of making plays at the end of the games and the, you know, you get those winning basketball, all that kind of stuff and a little bit of a cliche, but you know, ultimately, especially now when you're trying to, you know, get to the playoffs, any win, whether it's lucky or not is, is huge. And the bucks have been banking wins while 
the rest of the East uh, around them has has certainly not been making wins. And that kind of leads me into uh, this Pistons team, which we've seen the Bucks beat um, a, a few times now. And uh, I don't really know what to make of them. I think you came in the season, they were interesting because they had, you know, I think they were 41-41. Were they 41-41 last year? They were eight, the eighth seed. A lot of optimism. Maybe, maybe they'd make the leap to 50 wins. It felt a little bit like the Bucks of a couple of years ago. They were more of a defensive team. Um, you know, they had Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, kind of the you know point guard, big man combination. Okay, then that could work. But really, they just don't have any legit stars. And man, the injury to Reggie Jackson, he just does not look like the same player since missing the early part of the season with the knee injury. He's basically shut down now, um, slash bench, slash shut down. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, Drummond is is Drummond, but really hasn't progressed the last couple of years. And the rest of the roster is just kind of like a bunch of like solid players. You know, Tobias Harris is fine. He's a very good for a six man. Marcus Morris is fine, I guess. KCP is going to get paid a ton of money. Contavious Caldwell Pope, but he's a fifty three percent true shooting guy, which is not great, and more of a defender who is probably a little overrated offensively. Um, and, you know, those Nets, we were talking about the Nets being interested potentially in Tony Snell. Well, maybe they're going to be a team that that gives Contavious Caldwell Pope $100 million offer sheet this summer. We don't know. And if that's the case, then I don't know. I, I, I guess you match it for your Detroit, but um, they have not been a convincing team since the All-Star break. Uh, they're 8-11, and 11, I believe, in that span. Still pretty good defensively. Um, actually, I just checked. They're actually the exact same as the Bucks defensively past the All-Star break. Um, but again, they've been very bad offensively. Um, they do get up a decent number of threes, not a ton, um, but more than they, they did previously. But the problem is just um, the offense overall just is not very effective. And, um, and, and we'll see. Hopefully that keeps up uh, on Friday because, uh, again, the Bucks. We're, we're kind of at this point now where you know, we, we always talked about this sucks to lose thing more in the, oh man, I would hate, you know, it, it's a must win because you just can't fathom the idea of losing to some bad team. And the Pistons aren't terrible, but you kind of feel greedy if you're a Bucks fan right now, don't you? You kind of you kind of don't want to accept the fact that the Bucks have to lose some games here and there. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is the Bucks they had their struggles at home, you know, and, and they were not giving people what they want. I think they were under 500 um, at home maybe a month or so ago. Uh, but since then have, have turned it on a bit. They're 21 and 17 now, three games remaining. They need to win two out of the last three to match their record, uh, at home, which, uh, of last year, which ironically was the exact same record that they had at home the year before that, uh, which is 23 and 18. So that's the irony that the, the, the Jason Kidd bucks have basically been the exact same team at home. All three years that Kidd has been coach. The difference has been on the road. Last year, they lose uh, 31 of 41 games. This year, uh, with the run that they've been on, I think they've won 7 out of 9 on the road or something to that effect. They're 18 and 19. And if you can be close to 500 uh, on the road in the NBA, you're definitely going to be a playoff team, and um, you have a chance to, to be very good. Uh, so the Bucks, and, and I think the other piece of that too is being able to play away from home is important because, I mean, a team like the Bucks, I mean, we know they're going to have to play on the road uh, they're not going to have home and home advantage in the playoffs and showing that you can have that kind of metal and that kind of steel, um, M E T T L E. Sorry. Um, 
I don't know why I used both metal and steel there, but uh, having both of those things, uh, you know, is 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 big. And I think any any narrative about the Bucks being a threat to spring an upset in the first round, I think it has to factor that in. And and you have to hope that uh, what the the signs of life we've seen on the road are, are going to continue because they've obviously pulled off some very impressive road wins. I mean, winning in Portland against a team that uh, had been playing much better, winning in LA against a Clipper team that for all their problems is really talented winning in Charlotte against a team that again um, has been a disappointment, but overall, you know, the, the Charlotte Hornets have been a good team. They're, they have a better plus point differential this year than the bucks. And then of course, winning in Boston against a team that, uh, you know, before, before the bucks game came into town had won 27 of 36. Um, so three out of every four games they were winning, which uh, is one of the best home records uh, in the East. And, um, still the Celtics uh, hanging on to the number one seed after the Bulls yet again win on TNT. They, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but the Bulls always win on TNT. It's like a weird thing. The Bulls are confusing and annoying and depressing, and then, then whenever they play on national television, for some reason they, they figure it out. But anyway, um, so that's kind of a brief look at the weekend. I, and I, It's so ironic bringing up Charlotte, bringing up uh, Detroit, kind of funny because coaches like steve clifford stan van gundy i mean those are guys that that certainly i've always looked at as as great coaches um but for some reason uh those guys just i mean stan van gundy seems like he's lost his detroit team which is a team he built right he's the he's the president of the basketball operations he is his call uh, who he's got on his team and uh, they're going to have a very interesting offseason. I, I don't know what happens next in Detroit. Lots of talk about potentially moving, if you could, Reggie Jackson. But with his contract and the way he's played, I don't know who wants Reggie Jackson right now. Andre Drummond, I'm sure people would want, but I don't know. It's just strange to think that the the Pistons could be just trading uh, Andre Drummond at this point and, and starting over. So let's leave it at that. Um, 25 minutes. That's a pretty short lockdown box. But look, I'm I'm talking to myself. Uh, the bummer of, of doing these is a, I'm talking to myself and B I had to do more research guys. I, I, I tried to do some research for you today. So, uh, hopefully you learned something. Hopefully this wasn't too boring doing the solo thing. Uh, shoot me, give, give me, here, here's my request for you. Give me your predictions. Tweet at me at F Madden NBA. Tweet at me your predictions for the Bucks final record this season. They are projected by 538 to go 43 and 39 which last I checked, yes, they're still at 99% likely to make the playoffs. Uh, and I think that will put them in the fifth seed, actually, with the way the Hawks have been playing. But again, the Hawks are still tied with the Bucks and have the tiebreaker. So the Bucks need to make up ground. And certainly that starts this weekend with, uh, with hopefully, famous last words, a couple wins. So tweet me your predictions. Where will the Bucks finish uh, in the East as well as their final record? And um, we're only a couple weeks from knowing whether we get it right or wrong. Uh, I'm already wrong. I, I predicted the Bucks would go 38 and 44, and that was like two or three weeks ago. The Bucks are at 39 and 36. So, shows you what I know. Uh, show me how much smarter you are than me. Tweet at me. Let me know what you think is going to happen. And uh, we will be back at you, and I will make sure I get Eric's name uh, on the horn with me on Sunday when uh, hopefully we'll be recapping a uh, another Bucks victory. Famous last words. Anyway, Take care. This was Locked On Bucks. Be sure to check out the rest of the Locked On Network. Uh, David Locke, Locked On NBA. 
Uh, he had a good one uh, come up this week uh, with the anonymous coach he has on pretty regularly. Gives uh, It's an NBA coach who comes on anonymously and gives uh, some very candid answers, and there's some Bucks content in there as well. So um, be sure to check that out. And, uh, I mean, if you if you need to know about any other NBA team, we've got a, a Locked On podcast for that. Uh, but thanks for listening. If this is your first time listening, check out the subscribe feature. Uh, look for Locked On Bucks. Uh, on iTunes, on Google Play, any place else you get your podcast. Uh, if you like us, leave a review. We always appreciate that. We're going to have to do some shout-outs for reviews pretty soon. Um, five stars are, are would be delightful. And uh, we will talk to you soon, and enjoy the weekend. Take care. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17